Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal. Chrisanne Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So happy to be here with you today. Let's say hello to everybody out there. This is going to be such a great show. Do you know how I know this is going to be a great episode? It's going to be a great episode because YouTube sent us the notice that they were censoring us before the show even started. <laughs> right? So you have to know it's going to be great when YouTube doesn't even care about what I'm about to say, not even give me a first syllable before they decide that they're going to be censoring this episode. So welcome to our censored YouTube program. Why? Because we're going to be talking about the governor of uh, Nevada, the Supreme Court, and the attack on separation of church and state. I'm going to be showing you why almost every single headline that you have seen in regard to the Supreme Court case that came out on Friday is a, is, is a lie. It's an absolute lie. And it's meant to bring about a, and I believe, it's meant to bring about a certain result, a certain mentality, a certain spirit in America uh, to, to manipulate us into thinking something is happening that is not happening. And in the same way, I want to show you some of the great insights that are, co that, uh, are coming to us from Alito's descent and from Gorsuch descent and why this case is not over. It's absolutely not over. And you know, I was really shocked, I mean, I'll get more into this later, but I was really shocked to see that Alito went on the offensive against uh, the Jacobson case, the mandatory vac vaccination case. So this is really, really um, a, a big issue, and I think that Alito is giving us some insight on what's happening in the Supreme Court. And how we respond is going to be more important now than ever. So let's see who we have in the chat room. Indiana, Missouri, this is our YouTube chat room now. Don't forget guys, hit your thumbs up. Look, I'm, I am looking at this. There is no way that we only have this few people watching the, sh the YouTube thing right now. I'm telling you, they are slamming us. So if you're in the chat rooms, please, I just want to play, ask you, please share uh, the episodes right now as you're watching. We've got to undo this algorithm. Put them out on Twitter. Put them out. I mean, we're broadcasting live on Twitter. I'm actually getting a better response on Twitter these days than on YouTube. Uh, I post them on Parler later, later. So if you're on Parler, make sure that you uh, do the whole rebroadcast thing that Parler does. I don't, I don't really understand all that, but on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, share now as you're watching and help us get this out because you're not going to hear this in mainstream media. They're not going to tell you this because they want you, I'm, I'm convinced the media wants you to be depressed and oppressed. They don't want you to have a spirit of liberty that inspires you to stand, to do something. They want you to think that it's already all over, and it's not. So, YouTube chat room, Indiana, Missouri, Auburn, Alabama, Southern Missouri, North Carolina, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, Aurora, Colorado, Bonnie Lake, Washington, Middletown, New York, uh, let's see. California, Delta region, Cherry Hill, North, New Jersey. See, we are coast to coast, north to south, all over. Las, Ve Las Vegas, Nevada in the house. Hello. Hey, Las Vegas. We're going to be flying into Las Vegas next week. Uh, we're going to be spending time in St. George, Utah teaching. Don't forget to go to the chrisannhall.com website and check out our calendar. We're going to be speaking in eastern Florida. Uh, on uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, and then next week we will be in St. George, Utah. If you are if you are anywhere in the St. George, Utah, if you look, if I'm driving from New Mexico, take 
take a little pin and put it in St. George, Utah, put a, put a pin in New Mexico, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and draw a circle. If you are within that circle, please do what you can to come to these meetings in St. George, Utah, and you'll also get to, I'm going to be, uh, JC and I are actually going to be in studio with Kate Daly on Thursday next week, which is really exciting to me. So mark it in your calendar there, Las Vegas, Nevada, Nampa, Idaho, Marco Island, and the list goes on and on, Mount Pleasant, Michigan, Temple, Texas, Cedar Park, Texas, SoCal, uh, Camarado, yeah, Val, we know, we know, um, but, but it's everywhere, isn't it? Texas is here, uh, Facebook jail escapees are in the house, New Jersey, Illinois, and tons and tons of people. Once again, according to Facebook, there are more people watching us on Facebook than there are on YouTube. See, YouTube just lies. They just lies. They're part of this defeatist attitude. So here we have... In our Facebook chat room, who do we have? We have Suffolk, Long Island, New York. Oh, yeah, there we go. Michael, I didn't know you were in Long Island. Have we met in Long Island before? We spent a lot of time in Long Island. Wisconsin, uh, Fort, New Jersey, uh, Larry Clark in Kansas, Yuba City, California. Hey, shout out to my good tidings friends up there. Uh, Fredonia, Kansas, Pittsburgh. <laughs> James is excited because he caught the video live. Timbuktu, California. Is that actually a place? <laughs> I wouldn't surprise it. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, and uh, Yuba City again. On and on. Maine, Delaware. Here we go. Texas, California. Arkansas, Texas again. Lake City, Florida. All right. Our, old st our, our home stomping grounds. Thanks for joining us, Dave. You guys have an interesting state attorney race going on up there. I hope you're paying attention. Uh, let's see. Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, Michael. Oh, well, there you go, Michael. Next time we're in Long Island, you'll have to give us a shout out. Hey, my cousin. My cousin Tom Jackson's watching. <laughs> shout out there to my cousin. All right, there we go. Cousin by marriage. He's related to JC. And uh, everybody out there that's watching on YouTube that's not being recorded because YouTube is lying to us. So let's get right to this. I'm going to show you these headlines because you need to see what the headlines are telling you so that you can know that they're lying to you. All right. So U.S. Supreme Court turns down church challenge to Nevada pandemic rules. That is a lie. Supreme Court rejects Nevada's church's challenge to coronavirus restrictions. That is a lie. Here we go with Yahoo News and AP. U.S. Supreme Court denies Nevada's church appeal of virus rule. That is a lie. Those are all flat-out lies. And I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you, is this are they lying because they're judicially ignorant? Because they don't understand how the judicial process actually works? Or are they lying because they know the truth? And again, this is what I believe, they just want you to be defeated and discouraged and to quit. Seriously. Uh, this is... This is just wrong. So let me, let's jump right in and let me tell you what this case is all about. So, once again, the U.S. Supreme Court has not turned down the Nevada, the church's challenge to Nevada pandemic rules. The Supreme Court has not rejected Nevada's church's challenge to coronavirus restrictions. And the Supreme Court has not denied, this is the most, the biggest lie of them all, has not denied Nevada church's appeal of the virus rule. What you're looking at here in this case, and I'm going to pull it up here for you. I have some actual notes on it that I've made, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading those notes for, for you. What you actually have here 
is an application for injunctive relief. Let me put this up there for you so you can see it. An application on uh, for injunctive relief. Now, what that means is they have filed an application to the court to say, stop the enforcement of this rule before the, the case has been heard on its merits, okay? So the, the case has not even had its trial yet. There's been no evidentiary presentation. It's just a, a way of, of the defendants, uh, of the petitioner saying, look, we're filing this case. We, we believe we will win. And because we believe we will win, we want you to tell them not to enforce these rules until the case has come to its conclusion. So it's a way of saying to the governor of Nevada, do not enforce this until we've heard everything in the case. All right? And what the Supreme Court did was deny that request for injunction. Drywall O starting off our super chat today. Thank you so much, Drywall O, for your support. And let me, let me show you. So what has happened? Now remember... This is very important. This is judicially very, very important. The case has not been heard in the courts yet. There's been no presentation of evidence, no arguments heard, only an application for injunction to stop the enforcement of the rule until the case has been finally concluded. So if the case is finally concluded and they find in favor of the rule, then they'll enforce the, the rule uh, or the order issued by the governor. If it is found in favor of the church, then they would have never enforced it. So it's just simply for an injunction. So what has happened is, now we've talked about this before procedurally, the the preliminary matters before the hearings, the injunctive reliefs, the stays, the, the preliminary matters before the actual case is appealed to the Supreme Court are assigned to different judges. And sometimes, most of the time, they never even heard by the rest of the judges. So the judge that's assigned says, yes, it's granted, no, it's not granted, because this is not the decision on the merits of the case. This is not listening to the facts of the case. This is preliminary. And by the way, it is, it is seen in a light most favorable to the defendant. Because there's been no presentation of facts, when you get a request for injunctive relief, the court says, okay, we're looking at everything that we have, in the light most favorable to the defendant, how do we decide this? So the, it's not even a clear and convincing evidence, not a beyond a reasonable doubt, it's not even a real burden of proof. It's actually giving favor to the defendant because this is a preliminary matter. And so the Supreme Court justices generally are assigned these cases and then they make the decision. On the high profile cases, they bring in the other justices. Now, this is obviously a very high-profile case. You have several constitutional issues, and you also have the, the, the public concern of the so-called pandemic, which, by the way, Alito, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just, I'm very proud of Alito in his dissent on this. I'm obviously more proud of Gorsuch, Kavanaugh. Who, who is Kavanaugh? What is that guy? I don't know. Anyway, Kavanaugh dissented as well. Thomas didn't, um, Thomas joined into Alito's, uh, Alito's dissent. Uh, Alito wrote the main dissent. Thomas joined in and Kavanaugh joined in, but Kavanaugh wrote a separate one and whatever. He, he didn't even need to write a separate one because Alito took care of everything. And then, Ka and then Gorsuch wrote his own dissent a single paragraph that put the exclamation freaking point on the whole thing. You know, Gorsuch in his dissent proves once again to, to me anyway, that lawyers talk too much, that you can get to the point. Everybody's going, yeah, Chris Ann, lawyers talk too much. You talk too much on this show, right? <laughs> I bet Jay-Z, if he was here, be amen in me right now. <laughs> right? So, 
This is an application for injunctive relief, and it was assigned to um, uh, Kagan. Okay, so Kagan brought everybody in because it was a high-profile case. And in this case, we have uh, Breyer, Kagan, Sotomayor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's ghost, and Roberts. Roberts, once again, once again, sides against the Constitution, against the, um, the rights of the people. Roberts, okay, so you should, you should expect this from, from, Cav from Kagan. You should expect this from Gorsuch, uh, not Gorsuch, from uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So Kagan and Ruth Bader Ginsburg hate the church. They hate the church. Which is why the other day when Kagan sort of sided with the First Amendment issues, we were like, what? What? Somebody body snatched Kagan? So Kagan and, and, and Ginsburg hate the church. Sotomayor, she's not, she's not real favorable with the church either. Breyer, Breyer's just liberal. So he's going to be with whatever liberal says, you know. Whatever the liberal talking points are, that's where Breyer's going to be. But Roberts is really the thorn in the mix because the dude runs around like he's some kind of conservative stronghold like he's a constitutionalist he's bought he is bought I, I am absolutely convinced the man is bought and uh, you know as an attorney saying that that might get me into trouble but hey look I am obviously entitled to my opinion okay it is my opinion that he's bought I don't know how he's bought. I don't know how he's how he's being controlled. But the man is nuts. I, I, I think I don't think there's actually a good bone in his body left anymore. He definitely needs to be impeached, and the whole thing is just wrong. Milton Keynes, happy capitalism is a pl is planned to replace capitalism. No joke. Oh my goodness. No way. No way. Thank you for your super chat. VT Maddie, thank you for your super chat donation. Hey, Chrisanne, sending love from the Quite Frankly fam. Yeah. Giving my love to Frank all the time. Daniel, thank you for your $25 super chat. You are awesome. You guys are, wow, we're like having a little super chat thing going on. My cousin, my cousin Rob Jackson, love you guys. Thank you for your super chat donation. So, yeah, RBG's ghost. RBG's ghost is the one who gives their opinions because I don't know how a woman can have the cancer that she's had uh, so many times and, and still be alive. I, I, it's just not possible. I don't even know. It's, it, she is, she's an apparition at this point. So... This idea that the Supreme Court has denied the Nevada church appeal of the virus rule is a lie. They did not deny the church's appeal for the virus rule. They denied the request for injunctive relief. Uh, Autotron asks in the YouTube chat room, how do we get a copy of this case text? I've actually posted the link on my Facebook page. I've posted it on Twitter as well. So if you go to my Facebook or Twitter pages, I've also posted it on Parler. So you can get the link and uh, it's there. Or you can just simply get the link by uh, Googling or whatever your search engine is. Supreme Court Calvary Chapel. And that's how I that's how I always find it because I don't have it saved in my bookmarks, but I always find it pretty easily doing that. So I want to talk to you about what this decision actually says and doesn't say because um, there are some things that you're going to be hearing, and of course the experts are going to be lying, and we have a an obligation to be the voice of truth in the face of knowing that these people are lying to us. So remember the, the idea that this is not the entire case, but this is an application for injunctive relief. 
and the understanding that the burden of proof is seen in light most favorable to the state of Nevada, okay? Some, the attorneys are going to tell you, well, but it's, they denied the injunction because they don't believe that the case will be successful, so that Calvary Chapel will lose. I believe maybe 95% of the time that might be true that the Supreme Court will deny injunctive relief because they believe that the case will fail. I believe that is not the case this time, and Alito actually says so in his dissent. I believe, once again, our Supreme Court is being ruled by politics and not by principle in Constitution. What you, again, you have a case of high public profile. You have this coronavirus insanity. The Supreme Court does not want to make the preliminary decision to set aside this order on by the governor because not because it will lose on appeal, but because of its implications to the coronavirus and public retaliation. They don't want to have their political heads on the chopping blocks. Now, I realize that they are politically shielded, quote unquote, but give me a break. If our Supreme Court justices were truly politically shielded, were truly shielded from political influence and intrusion into their decisions, Ginsburg would not be on the bench, Sotomayor would not be on the bench, Breyer would not be on the bench, uh, Kagan would not be on the bench. And frankly, um, I think the only one that would be on the bench would be Gorsuch if we were just simply constitutionally selecting our Supreme Court justices. So we would have nine justices like Gorsuch if we did not use politics to select our Supreme Court justices. I mean, we talk about this every time they have the hearings and you listen to the hearings. Go back and, and listen to one of my shows when, when uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh were up for selection. Go, go, go back. You can go back through the archives. We actually went through it right? They don't ask for a constitutional Supreme Court justice. They ask for a conservative Supreme Court justice or a liberal Supreme Court justice or a justice that will uphold this precedent or overturn that precedent. They don't even ask questions about the merits and vetting them on constitutional principles. No, what they do is actually criticize and chastise the ones that are actually constitutional. To be called a Jeffersonian is almost the kiss of death for a Supreme Court justice, and it ought not be that way. Hey, Boo Boo, a $5 super chat. Thank you so much for the love you guys are sending today. This is so awesome. I want you to know this. Do you want to know how badly I want you to know this? I want you to know this. You need to know this because we need to stay motivated. We need to stay activated, and we need to stay inspired. So let me show you uh, what, let me read to you, because I, I made separate notes here. Let me read to you what Alito says. And it's just, it's really great. These are the sort of little insights that we can get uh, uh, from, that we can get from our, from Alito's thing. Let me, let me just, I'll just start at the beginning. I was going to try to read through it. Now, this was, I put this at the top because this is a huge, huge revelation. Alito says in his dissent, uh, let me go ahead and do something here. Oh, what is that happening? Ugh. All right, sorry guys. Technical difficulties happening here. All right. Give me just one second. 
while I get upset. <laughs> all right, I'm going to put the decision up here so you can see it as well. Doing all of, of this, I'll do this one because this one makes it a little bit bigger. And then I'm going to read to you what Alito has said. Catch this. This is huge. Quote, but a public health emergency does not give governors. Let me go ahead and see if I can find this up here. Public health. just trying to pull up this text for you. Here it is, right there. Okay. But a public health emergency does not give governors and other public officials carte blanche to disregard the Constitution for as long as the medical problem exists. Insight, people. Insight. This is really, really big. This gives us at least some insight that at least four of the Supreme Court justices are going to say, you can't just override people's rights. He says, he says, as more medical and scientific evidence becomes available and as states have time to craft policies in light of that evidence, Courts should expect policies that more carefully account for constitutional rights. Governor Sislek issued the directive in question on May 28th, more than two months after declaring a state of emergency on March 12th. Now, four months have passed since the original declaration. The problem is no longer one of exigency, but one of considered yet discriminatory treatment of places of worship. This is, this is big. You've got Alito pointing out here as a matter of fact, hey, if this was a huge problem, if this was such, if, if this was the huge problem that you say it is, then why did you wait four months? Why now all of a sudden are you doing this, this is not, this is about discrimination. This is not about anything more than that. Butterfly Heart Song, thank you so much for your super chat with the little uh, yoga pair, <laughs> the blue yoga pair. So there you have it. You've got the Supreme Court Justice calling out the lies of the pandemic. He says, Calvary Chapel argues that the governor's directives violates both the free uh, exercise clause and the free speech clause of the First Amendment. Now, here's the thing. Remember, I told you the standard for denying injunctive relief uh, is in the light most favorable to the state of Nevada. And generally speaking, when that happens, we can say the court says that the, they believe that the case will not succeed on its merits. But that can't be the case here because the facts haven't even been heard, the arguments haven't be, even been presented, and Alito says this, Calvary Chapel argues that the governor's directive violates both the free exercise clause and the free speech clause of the First Amendment, and I agree that Calvary Chapel has a very high likelihood of success on these claims. So any attorney that tells you that the, the Supreme Court's denial for injunctive relief is because the members of the Supreme Court believe that Calvary Chapel will lose this case is, is making a presumption not based on the facts. He is not, Alito is not saying, I believe that Calvary Chapel is right, even though everybody else believes that it is wrong. He says, I agree that Calvary Chapel has a very high likelihood of success on these claims in general. 
He's saying when we get to the facts and the merits of this case, you're going to see that Calvary Chapel is going to win. So here you have the, the affirmation that the injunction is not being denied because they believe that Calvary Chapel is going to lose. The injunction is being denied for political reasons. Bam. Right there. From the Supreme Court Justice's mouth. He also says, and then he goes to tear apart the argument of the governor of Nevada on this idea that churches are more dangerous than casinos. So let's just be clear. The governor has said casinos can have 50% of occupancy in the casinos and still survive uh, COVID, right? But churches, regardless of the square footage, regardless of the precautions that can be taken, are only allowed to have 50 people. That's got to be discriminatory, and that's what Alito says. Alito says, houses of worship can and have adopted rules that provide for more, for more protection. Family groups have been given places in pews that are more than six feet away from others. Worshippers can be required to wear masks throughout the service uh, or for all but a very brief time. Worshippers do not customarily travel from distant spots to attend a particular church, nor do they generally hop from church to church to sample different services on any given Sunday. Few worship services last two hours. Cavalry Chapel limits their service to 45 minutes. And worshipers do not generally mill around the church while a service is in progress. The idea that allowing Calvary Chapel to admit 90 worshipers presents a greater public health risk than allowing casinos to operate 50% capacity is hard to swallow. And the state's efforts to justify the discrimination are feeble. It notes that patrons at gaming tables are supposed to wear masks and that the service of food at casinos is now limited. But congregants in the house of worship are also required to wear masks and they don't consume meals during the service. Which you all know what that means, right? That means when you take the mask, when you eat a meal, you, you drink a drink, then you can have, uh, you take your mask off. Have you seen people at a casino without a drink in their hand? Goodness gracious, they hand out free drinks. And we're talking about these casinos at 50% capacity having thousands of people. And as Alito says, people that go from casino to casino, casino. He actually also mentions that people travel from all over the world to go to these casinos. Now we know the efficacy of the masks is all a lie. It's all a ruse. It doesn't actually mean anything. Masks are a fraud. But nonetheless, if you're going to engage in the argument, then you should at least have something to uphold the merits of your argument, which they do not. Alito says, Finally, the state argues that preferential treatment for casinos is justified because the state is in a better position to enforce compliance by casinos, which are under close supervision by state officials and subject to penalties if they violate state rules. By contrast, the state notes, rules for houses of worship must be enforced by local authorities. So once again, you know, the people in power believe that you're too stupid right? I mean, it's like the federal government's argument for the EPA. We have to enforce environmental protection on the states because the states are too stupid and irresponsible for to do it themselves. And now you've got a king in the seat of the governor's office who says the people and their sheriffs are too stupid to, to know what's best for them. The bottom line is, you know what this is? The bottom line is the Nevada sheriffs are revolting against these orders and they're refusing to enforce them. That's the bottom line. Because you cannot have a rule for Las Vegas, Nevada and enforce it in Chavez County, Nevada. You cannot. It doesn't work that way. Little bitty counties and big cities 
have different needs and different... There are places in their counties in Nevada that have had little to absolutely no COVID deaths. And you want to impose the same rules on Las Vegas that you do on them? No way. And the best judge for the proper application is at the local level. That's what America is built on, by the way. Government governs best when it governs least, but it governs at home. We have a structured government in our constitutional republic where the farther you get away from the people in governance, the less power government has. The federal government is designed and delegated fewer powers than the state. And the counties ought to have more power to regulate to, to, or to not regulate their counties based on the needs of the people. And that's where the sheriff comes in. And it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. You can't be. Don't sit here in our chat room and don't come to me later in, in Facebook or YouTube or whatever and tell me that bodies in the streets, bodies in the streets. This is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Okay? Now, Alito says this argument might make some sense if enforcing the 50% capacity rule were materially harder than enforcing a flat 50-person rule. But there's no reason to think that is so, let alone that it would be compelling enough to justify differential treatment of religion. So how many guys do you have to send out to enforce a rule on a casino at 50% capacity where thousands of people are going to be there? You've got to make sure thousands of people are wearing a mask. And how many people do you have to send to a church to enforce a 50-person rule? No way. It is not exponentially easier to enforce this at the casino level. It's exponentially harder. This is all about money, people. This is all about money. Make no mistake, Alito even says so, in his opinion. You need to go read this in the descending. He says, look, this is all about money. This is all about the big business people. He says... He says local officials responsible for enforcing maximum occupancy limits during normal times presumably know or can easily ascertain the limit for particular churches. And a state does not claim that these officials have any trouble enforcing those limits, right? Because a church, every business has, by fire code standards, a maximum occupancy. They all do. So if you're going to be enforcing that all the time, what difference does it make if you're enforcing it now? How harder is it to say 50 people or to say half of your maximum capacity? He says, in many jurisdictions, buildings that host gatherings are required to post their maximum occupancy figure in prominent locations. Enforcing a 50% limit would not require local officials to do anything more than to divide that figure in half. And there's no reason to think that enforcing that limit would be harder than enforcing a 50-person maximum. Moreover, even if the state's special regulatory power over casinos could justify different rules for those facilities, the state will have no explanation why facilities like bowling alleys, arcades, and fitness centers are also given the benefit of the 50% rule. See, this is an attack on the church. It is absolutely an attack on the church. You can't tell me any different anymore. How can it not be an attack on the church when bowling alleys, when casinos, when movie theaters have a different rule than churches? So, Alito says it violates strict scrutiny under the free exercise clause. It absolutely does. He says it also uh, violates strict scrutiny on the First Amendment. He says uh, Calvary Chapel is also brought to our attention evidence that the governor has favored certain speakers over others. When large numbers of protesters, you guys are going to love this part. Alito's watching, guys, and so are the four. He says, when large number of protesters openly violated provisions of the directive, such as the rule against more than 50 people, the governor not only declined to enforce the directive, but publicly supported and participated in the protest. He even shared a video of the protesters standing shoulder to shoulder. 
the state's response to news that the churches might violate the directive was quite different. The Attorney General of Nevada is reported to have said, quote, you can't spit in the face of law and not expect the law to respond. Okay, but you can actually physically spit in the face of the law at one of their quote-unquote peaceful protests. But when the church says we will not comply and you metaphorically spit in the face of the law, now, now we have to respond. Alito says public protests, of course, are themselves protected by the First Amendment and any efforts to restrict them would be subject to judicial review. But respecting some First Amendment rights is not a shield for violating others. I'll give you one last thing before we go into Gorsuch, because Gorsuch is just one paragraph, and it's absolutely beautiful, and it's like the mic drop for you right there. Alito says, even under this test, the directive's discriminatory treatment would likely fail for the reasons already explained. And in any event, it is a mistake to take language in Jacobson, okay? This is the Jacobson via Massachusetts, the ones that all the people running around saying that the Supreme Court's going to uphold Jacobson, the 1905 mandatory vaccination case, right? Oh, masks, 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 Jacobson, 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 right? Alito is going to put a, put a nail in the coffin on Jacobson. Alito's actually going to be telling you probably a little, little watered down to what I've already been telling you last week on the show about Jacobson, that it is legally irresponsible to conclude that Jacobson will be held standing law when it comes to masks and forced vaccinations in 2020. And Alito, vindication, confirms what I'm about to say what I've said. He says, under this test, the directive's discriminatory treatment would likely fail for the reasons already explained. And in any event, it is a mistake to take language in Jacobson as the last word on what the Constitution allows public officials to do during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you, people. For all your Jacobson people out there, all your mandatory masks and mandatory vaccinations because the Supreme Court said in 19-freaking-05, you tell them that a Supreme Court justice said in 2020, guess what? Guess what? Look what he said. It is a mistake. I said it was legally irresponsible. It is a mistake to take the language in Jacobson as the last word on what the Constitution allows public officials to do during the COVID-19 pandemic. And he says exactly what I said. Language in Jacobson must be read in context. It is more important to keep in mind that Jacobson primarily involved a substantive due process challenge to a local ordinance requiring residents to be vaccinated for smallpox. It is a considerable stretch, he says, to read the decision as establishing the test to be applied when statewide measures of indefinite duration are challenged under First Amendment or other provisions not at issue in that case. Can I tell you not in issue at that case was the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures? The Jacobson case was such a poorly argued case and that's why I've said from the get-go, you can't use Jacobson as the rule. And now you have the Supreme Court uh, Justice Alito telling us it is a mistake. It is a mistake. I called it legal irresponsibility. That's a mistake, right? So let me go ahead and give you Gorsuch. Let me see if I can position this for you so you can see the whole thing. There you go. This is Gorsuch's dissent, and I'll read it for the people who are just listening on the radio. Gorsuch dissenting from the denial of application for injunctive relief. This is a simple case, period. 
Under the governor's edict, a 10-screen multiplex may host 500 moviegoers at any time. A casino, too, may cater to hundreds at once, with perhaps six people huddled at each craps table here and a similar number gathered around a roulette table, a roulette wheel there. Large numbers and close quarters are fine in such places, but churches, synagogues, and mosques are banned from admitting more than 50 worshipers. No matter how large the building, how distant the individuals, how many wear face masks, no matter the precautions at all. In Nevada, Gorsuch says, it seems it is better to be in entertainment than religion. Maybe that is nothing new. But the First Amendment prohibits such obvious discrimination against the exercise of religion. The world we have we inhabit today with a pandemic upon us poses unusual challenges. But there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. Seriously. This, this is it, man. This is totally it. And this is why, why Alito says this will win on the merits. It will win on the merits. And let me tell you something. If it does not, if it does not win on the merits, then you know what days we're in. And as I have said over and over again, these are the days when the church will have to decide, is Caesar the head of the church or is Christ the head of the church? Will you obey God or will you be, obey men? And the churches that comply because the law says so, or the churches that comply because they're absolutely, fundamentally, illiterately ignorant of what Romans 13 actually means and stands for. The fate of America will fall at the feet of the churches. I have said that for 11 years now. The fate of America will fall at the feet of the churches. The good news is, the good news is that we're seeing churches, congregations, and pastors wake up that, that I'm, I'm actually shocked. You've got John MacArthur. Let me pull this up here for you. John MacArthur of Grace Community Church now saying, the church has a duty to remain open. And he's opening look, and, and defying the governor of California who has issued same, similar irrational orders from the, uh, as the governor of New Mexico. John MacArthur wrote this blog to explain why his church is going to stay open in spite of governor of California's tyrannical rules. He says, Christ, not Caesar, is the head of the church. He gave a, a sermon on Sunday explaining why the church would stay open. He actually said, and I'm quoting, more people are dying from alcohol in abortion in California, yet clinics and liquor stores are open. We will, not not, we will not bow to this bizarre demand of the king when it contradicts the commands of our own king. Why not stand sooner, he says, because we were told millions would die. But it has become increasingly clear that the threat is far overestimated, and now... It is, as Justice Alito said, no longer about the exigent threat, but about discrimination against the church. This is discrimination against the church. And we must understand that. To all those people who called Pastor Rodney Howard Brown 
names because he stood up from the beginning in Tampa, Florida. When he was arrested by the sheriff, Chad Cronister of Hillsborough County, and the attacks came against the people of the church, against the pastors of the church for taking a stand. Dr. Howard Brown told us from the beginning that this was all nothing but an exaggeration. And here we are, uh, May, June, July, three months later, April, is when all this started. And we started telling you this is all a lie. May, he was arrested. Immediately, pastors and churches jumping all over him, telling him what a liar he was, how we were putting people at risk. And now, finally, people like John MacArthur coming up. He's saying, look, we, why did we close down, MacArthur said, because we were told. He said it wasn't because we were obeying the law. It's because we were told there was a danger and we were trying to protect the people. The River Church in Tampa knew there was not a danger. Knew. We knew from the get-go that this was something that was an attack by the people on the church. And we'd, oh, tinfoil hat, this is not an attack on the church. Come on, people. I don't, you, are, you have absolutely zero credibility with me at this time. Zero. Zil, zilch. Zed. Nada credibility with me if you're going to stand there and tell me this is not an attack on the church. This is an attack on the church. Closed down because you were, you were lied to, but now you know it's a lie and open up again. It's time, people. It's time. It's time to, be su to stop being subjects to the king's or let me put it this way, subjects to the governors rather than the kings. Governors who think themselves to be kings. <laughs> Milton, Newell, yes, Newell, thank you very much. It is absolutely time for us to stand up and say no to Caesar. You know, I just love the fact that Gorsuch put in there. I mean, you have to tell me. That he, let me read this to you again. He says, but there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. You have to know, I got goosebumps, you have to know that Gorsuch used Caesar's palace as a literary allusion to Caesar over God. To the biblical scripture of Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we shall obey God rather than men. So I'm going to say welcome, John MacArthur. Welcome to the truth. Welcome to the stand. Welcome to the fight for religious liberty. This is who we are. This is who we're always supposed to be. This is who we've been on this show since day one. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over personality. We are constitution today, tomorrow, and always. You know what's interesting is what I said last night, what, what I say all the time, that when you, when you take a principled stand, it means you don't have to apologize. When you take a principled stand, you don't have to apologize. And that's where we are. Absolutely. So I just, I just want to say thank you for joining with us, John MacArthur, and every other pastor out there. But I want to say salute to all the pastors and churches who have been standing this whole time because they're all over. It's time to support your local church. It's time to support and take a stand. This is, we've got to be done with this people. 
people ask me all the time, Chrisanne, Chrisanne, how do they get away with this? How do they get away with this? Because we let them get away with this. How does Newsom control all the people in California? The same way a little bitty chain in a rope controls an elephant. Because the elephant does not do anything. If the people of California took to the streets, if the businesses just opened and said, Bleh, we're opening and we don't care what you say, they're threatening to turn off the electricity at, at Grace Church, at, at John MacArthur's church. You know what John MacArthur needs to do? He needs to get everybody in his church to bring a generator, a flashlight. And they can provide their own electricity. I will say that to the businesses out there that are being shut down. Open your doors. If they shut down your water, if they shut down your electricity, provide your own. These are the days that try men's souls. I think I'm just going to, I'm going to close. Let me go ahead and close with Thomas Paine's The Crisis. Because this is... This is absolutely the best way for us to, to describe this. Now, this is crisis number one, okay? Written December 19, 1776, published, uh, read to Washington troops on December 24, 1776. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to hear what he has to say. He says, these are the times, and I'll, I'll put it up here for you, Okay? These are the times, will this show better? Nope, we'll go back here. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will shrink, uh, will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we, obtain, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Is that not the narrative of America today? It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to set a proper price upon its good, goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Britain, with an army to enforce her tyranny, has declared that she has the right not only to attack but to bind us in all cases whatsoever. That's your governors that think they're kings out there. Your governors that think they're kings are the ones that say, we have the power to bind you in all cases whatsoever. I want let, Let's keep reading this, because I have a minute or two. Let's keep reading this, because this is just amazing. He says, it's surprising to see how rapidly a panic will sometimes run through a country. All nations and ages have been subject to them. Britain has trembled like an ague at the report of a French fleet of flat-bottomed boats in the f and in the 14th century, the whole English army, after ravaging the kingdom of France, was driven back like men petrified with fear, and this brave exploit was performed by a few broken forces collected and headed by a woman, Joan of Arc. Would that heaven might inspire some Jersey maid to spirit up her countrymen and to save her fellow sufferers from ravage and ravishment. Where are we standing? Who is standing? Stand! It is time. It is now. If not now, when? If not us, then who? Our children? Please. He says, yet panics in some cases have their uses. They produce as much good as hurt. Their duration is always short. The mind soon grows through, with, through them and acquires a firmer habit than before. But their peculiar advantage is that they are touchstones of sincerity and hypocrisy and bring things and men to light which might otherwise have lain forever undiscovered. In fact, they have the same effect on a secret traitor's which an imaginary apparition would, ha would upon a private murderer. 
They sift out the hidden thoughts of man and hold them up in public to the world. We have a gift that is being given to us. We have a gift of, of knowledge and wisdom. We have a gift to see who these people actually are. All these governors who think they're kings, all these mayors who think they're royalty. This is a gift provided to us by the panic. And it's up to us what we're going to do with it. Now let me close with, with the final segment of Thomas Paine's Crisis Number One. I once felt that kind of anger which a man ought to feel against the mean principles that are held by the Tories. A noted one, who kept a tavern at Amboy, was standing at his door with a pretty child in his hand, about eight or nine years old, as most I've ever saw, and after speaking his mind as freely as he thought was prudent, finished with this unfatherly expression, Well, give me peace in my day, he said. Payne says, not a man lives on the continent but fully believes that a separation must sometime or another finally take place. And a generous parent should have said, quote, if there be trouble, let it be in my day, so that my child may have peace. And this single reflection, well applied, is sufficient to awaken every man to duty. Not a place upon earth might be so happy as America, her situation is remote from all the wrangling of the world, and she has nothing to do but trade with them. We have a cause. Will we be? Will we be the unfatherly parent that says, well, give me peace and security and health in my day? Or will we be the generous parent that says, if there be trouble, let it be in my day, so that my child may have peace? It is time. It is time. It is time for us to take the stand. It is time for us to say no more bowing to governors who think they're kings. It is time. Why? Because I want my child to be free. And I don't care what that costs. I really don't. I don't care what that costs. We are millions. And they are a handful. Unity and liberty. Unity and liberty. Unity and liberty. That's what we have to have. We are built on a higher standard than the rest of the world. And it's going to be harder to take us down than the rest of the world. So I have hope. And if John MacArthur can stand up and say no more, then we all can too. So before you leave, make sure you hit the thumbs up for us. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share. Don't forget to go to godgunsliberty.com and get your mugs and your t-shirts 1776 reasons why liberty is essential here's the t-shirt at godgunsliberty.com get your founding mother's t-shirts at godgunsliberty.com get your liberty is essential t-shirt show up at work with them wear them and profess what you believe to be true. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you for your few extra minutes. Thank you for all your support, your super chats, and everything that you have for us. God bless. We will see you next time.